Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hi, Kirby. Hi, Sarah. Welcome, Welcome to, to Los, Los Angeles. Angeles. How's it going? <laughs> Happy like, Friday. Zoom makes it so that we look at each other and we're like, wait, <laughs> are you going to talk first or are you going to talk first? And it's also because Zoom, my Zoom setting like mutes you while I'm talking. So I literally, that's why our Los Angeleses are so off key or, or just sound different is because I can't hear you. Oh, I feel like Mariah Carey on stage being like, I can't. can't Somebody's getting fired, according to Beyonce. (laughs) Um, Happy Friday. So we are in the swing of two episodes a week. And Sarah and I actually had a little Los Angeles planning meeting yesterday. And let me tell you, I am so excited for all of the episodes that we have planned because they are so good. They're so good. I can't wait. I wish that we... No, never mind. (laughs) (laughs) What? I don't know. I don't know. I'm just so large. (laughs) Uh, That's your excuse. (laughs) I'm large and I don't know what I was going to say. I can't believe you didn't wake up for the earthquake, by the way. Oh, we had a Los Angeles earthquake. So I've been dealing with dry eye pretty regularly at this point it's because patrick sleeps with the ac at 66 degrees what what what, uh do y'all sleep with it at that's really low correct um we ours is set at 76 (gasps) 76 yeah because our ac is the vent is like right above our bed and so if it were any lower it would just be constantly blasting and I'm just like, I don't even have the covers on me. Oh, my God. And then I have the Dyson fan, too. But but Matt is like you because he is suffering from really bad, like, irritated dry eyes, like, red and swollen. And so he is sleeping with the Hey Dewey humidifier by the bed and has been trying to sleep with the sleep mask. But then, like, I look at him, like, literally 15 minutes into his sleep and it's, like, not on him anymore. Yeah, I mean, Patrick is very similar to you. So he has the Dyson fan. And so people are like, we don't give a shit. But like, I'm getting to my point. The fan, we have a fan upstairs. I put the second one upstairs for Patrick. And he sleeps with that because he's extremely, what is it, warm? Is it warm-blooded when you're always hot? Or is it the opposite? Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyways, he's always burning up. And so I work sometimes late at night. Like last night I was editing a video that I needed to get to a client and I was up till 1 a.m. So he has the AC at 66 degrees and I swear to Jesus, it is so cold down here. Like I ha- I'm wrapped in a blanket. I have on a sweatshirt. I'm in like I have socks on and my slippers. And then my That's hands. really cold. Yes. And my hands are freezing like little ice blocks. I need gloves. So then I go upstairs and I'm shivering and I literally can't get warm. So I'm underneath a duvet with like a down comforter. I have my Ugg blanket that I use like usually just in the winter to keep me warm. And it keeps Your guys' AC bill has to be like so much. It's it's astronomical. (laughs) 
but we keep it <laughs> off during the day and somehow it's still like cold in the house so whatever but oh, that's good I wake up now especially if I know like if I'm gonna go to bed late and it takes me a while to fall asleep because I'm cold I feel like it's inevitable that I wake up with a very hardcore stinging dry eye because I sleep with my eyes a little open because of my ptosis surgery I had when I was little and so the last time this happened it was seriously so painful like all day long I could not open my eyeball and I posted about it on Instagram and so now I sleep with a silk eye mask. I have my little Hey Dewey next to my bed, but I'm going to buy a bigger one because I need yeah, more. It's, it doesn't. Yeah, it's great. It's, it's great, desk, but it's not. But you need like a big daddy. Yeah, I need like a high powered one. I need some humidity yeah. in the air with all the cooling that's yeah. happening. And then I sleep like I have like three different eye drops that I use and I forgot to put them in last night. So I like wake up at 430 in the morning and my eye is stinging and it's watering like nuts. And I'm just like, F, I have dry eye again. And when I woke up, Patrick was awake. Yeah. And he was on his phone. And I'm like, what are you doing? But I actually didn't ask him. I was so irritated with my eye. I just got up and went to the bathroom and tried to like put eye drops in it and then laid back down. And I turned over and he could hear me sniffling because like my eye was watering. My nose started running. He's like, are you okay? And apparently he said, did you feel that? But I didn't hear him say that. And I was like, I'm fine. I'm fine. I just have dry eye and my eye hurts really bad. And he was like, okay, okay, okay. Like, can I, like, do you have your mask? Like he was making sure I was taken care of. And I almost asked him, why are you awake? But I didn't. Yeah. Yeah. And then I fell asleep. It's 4.30 in the morning. And then he, I woke up this morning at 7.45 to the loudest alarm clock of all time. And he was like, you know, did you feel the earthquakes? And I was like, no, what? He's like, yeah, I thought that's why you woke up at 4.30 because like that's when the first one was. So I missed the 4.30. There was the second one? There was an aftershock around like 6.45. Oh, I didn't feel that one. It wasn't very intense, but it was longer, I guess. I think the first one was like a big jolt, right? I wonder if you guys feel it more because you're higher off the ground. Ooh, I don't know. When the first one, was it a big jolt? Yeah. I mean, I wake up really easily in the first place, but now more than ever because I'm like going to the bathroom like 10 times a night. But then also (laughs) she's like moving around now. So like she was like moving around, which feels like an earthquake in your body and then followed by like a real earthquake. And I was like, holy shit. And then I like looked at Oliver. Well, Matt, obviously, because Matt was really cute. He was like, oh, are you okay? Protecting <laughs> she the, tried to protect. the child. <laughs> and then I looked at Ollie and he was passed the fuck out still. So I was like, it felt so big to me, but it was really short. And then that was it. And then, but then I was like, well, good luck going back to sleep. It was only a 4.3, which I don't know. I've, I've experienced like 3.5 earthquakes, but I was closer to the epicenter. So it feels way more dramatic than like right. people say it usually is. But I don't know. Like Patrick said it was – he was like, I'm shocked that you did not wake up because I am a light sleeper. Maybe you were – because you fell asleep so late, you were still in like the early – like the REM part of like your sleep or whatever. Sleep. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. Anyways. Go- Los Angeles for you. Home to some earthquakes. There's our air conditioning and earthquake talk. <laughs> Hope you enjoyed <laughs> that. Uh, okay. So we have a guest today and she's fabulous. And if you have – been following us on Instagram, you might have seen us post about true colors. Those Kirby, did you see that you can buy them still? Yes. I kind of want to. And it's like OG packaging. 
It's the stackable pigments that you would buy at like mall kiosks. And they would come in like these really pretty shimmers and mattes and stuff. <laughs> I was actually just interviewing Jackie Ina and she said that her mom like had these like beautiful like duochrome pigments on her eyes like were like bright blue. And she's like, yeah, and they're in these stackable things. I'm like, true colors, true yeah. colors. I mean, oh my God. I need an oral history of true colors. You should. I would love to know where, what the heck's going on with true colors. But anyways, the reason why we made that meme is because Leslie Thornton of Clur used to work at the mall selling True Colors. And when she brought this up, I truly could not stop thinking about Same. it. It's like all I've thought about for the past three weeks. I mean, when you made that meme, I had got so many responses from people that they were like, I had like a visceral nostalgic reaction to it. It almost like transports you <laughs> immediately either like to the mall passing the kiosk and not being able to buy it and begging your mom or you were one of the fortunate ones who did and then you were in your room you know it was like sitting in front of a mirror and you were like applying it and like it was just all over the carpet all over the carpet I look fabulous I don't care yep like applying with your fingers you have a mirror that hangs over your door your bedroom door so you're sitting like those really cheap skinny ones yep and you're sitting in behind your bedroom door like applying it with your fingers and with like trl in the background oh my god mems mems so anyways the the meme was if you remember true colors and you remember that particular experience it's time for retinol (laughs) um which actually segues into why we had (laughs) leslie on yes she has a great retinol so as kirby said leslie thornton is our fabulous guest today she is an esthetician formulator and founder of the clean and sustainable skincare brand clur but before leslie launched her own brand she spent years working in different roles in beauty from you know doing her friend's hair and makeup before school dances, to selling true colors eyeshadow pigments at the mall kiosk, to then working on set as a professional makeup artist. Leslie has learned a lot about how the industry works in her, you know, decades um, working in the industry and what it takes to formulate a quality skincare product and also how to run a successful beauty brand. And also as a black beauty business owner, Leslie is offering some advice for consumers on how we all can continue to support black owned beauty businesses for years to come. So listen in to hear her story and so many lols. Cause she even goes into like how she used to be a beauty pageant girl. It's a fun, it's a fun interview. Leslie's awesome and fun fact, Leslie, one of her teachers in high school, was Fergie's dad from the Black Eyed Peas. Oh my God, who now has his own vineyard? Yes. She said that when we were talking about True Colors, and she goes, I remember one day after work, I put a block of the True Colors in my backpack and they came undone. And when I brought one of my books out of my backpack the next day, there was just pigment everywhere. (laughs) And she was like, sorry, Mr. Ferguson. And she like tagged Fergie. And I was like, hold up. Check it out. Fergie's dad was your teacher. He was, he was like, yeah, he was. So, Oh, my God. That's so funny. Wow. I'm sad that we didn't talk about that during the interview. But Leslie's awesome. And you guys should definitely follow Clur. You should definitely buy Clur products. Share with your friends. And please subscribe to our podcast and share with your friends as well. And we'll talk to you on Tuesday. Enjoy the episode. 
Leslie, we are so excited that you are on our podcast. Um, we have been, you know, like Sarah said earlier, badgering you <laughs> to come hang out with us. And so we, we're glad we finally were able to suck you in and get you over here. So um, welcome to Los Angeles. Thank you for having me. You are also a, a true Angelino. You're a true Los Angeles lady. I am. I'm born and raised. Yes. We love when that happens. Love to hear it. So, um, <laughs> Leslie, we like to start off every interview with what's on your face. So let us know. Uh, you can pick one product. It can be yours. It can be another brand that you want to support. What are you wearing right now? Um, I don't have on any makeup and I am only wearing a couple layers of moisturizer that I put on as a lab sample for next year's product launch. Um, so yeah, that's it. I, I don't have a whole lot of anything on. Oh my gosh. That's is, that amazing. A, is that an insider scoop? Uh, yeah, I guess so. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a moisturizer, a really lightweight moisturizer that I'm working on and I combine it with a little bit of a facial oil that we're working on as well. I don't, That's um, so exciting. I don't have a moisturizer in the collection quite yet. So, uh, we've been working on this for eight months and hopefully it'll launch next year. What do you look for in a moisturizer? Like what kind of moisturizer do you kind of gravitate towards personally? Well, I would always prefer to have SPF. But um, SPF is so finicky with dark skin, and that's always been an issue. And I think we all kind of know that that's not something that's been yet perfected. So basically, I look for a lot of antioxidants. I look for a really nice texture. I'm really big on textures that really seep into the skin, don't leave a lot of grease or heavy weight on the skin. And I like a moisturizer that um, sits really well under makeup. Sounds like our jam. Exactly. I mean, it would make sense because you do have a background in makeup, which we will get to. Quick quick question, though. What uh, SPF or what sunscreen do you wear? Oh, I wear La, La Roche-Posay. Yeah, I love their sunscreen. So, Leslie, um, Clur is not your first venture into the beauty world. You've been working in the beauty industry for nearly 20 years or more than that. I don't know how long. You've yeah, tw uh, just going on 20 years. Yep. Congratulations. That is a huge accomplishment. Yeah. Um, and obviously, you know, a lot has changed in the industry and, uh, you know, your career has changed so much. Um, but can you tell us like how you got started in beauty? So I got started. Um, well, let me go back. I was always, always interested in beauty. When I was a kid growing up in Los Angeles, my mother put me into sort of fashion shows and pageants and local competitions to stay out of trouble. That's so cute. So I competed all throughout Los Angeles. I won um, like Little Miss Inglewood Jr., full like red lipstick, smoky eyes. Oh my and, God. You know, back... I want to see those photos. <laughs> oh, they'll, they'll be dropped. I'll give you a Dropbox link. Okay. <laughs> Great. So yeah, that was my, uh, that was the first time I'd really realized like, wow, this is fun. It makes me feel good. And other people, um, that there's a sort of a community around this. You know, there were a lot of other people who were involved in Kirby yourself in the beauty world in that, in that regard. So that was my first time I'd actually saw makeup as this transformative thing. Um, as a teenager, I loved doing hair and makeup. I had no real skill, but I loved doing it. It was just sort of naturally, um, I was inclined to do it. So I did it a lot in high school for girls proms. <laughs> this is this is a long time ago. This is pre way pre YouTube. Um, and this is 1999. And I am basically um, 
already starting a very small little makeup business in my parents' house. And I, I, I basically just did special events and things like that. And it was just a matter of trying to make some extra money with a hobby that I loved. I didn't have a real big makeup kit or anything else like that. But um, there's a great story that my dad comes to my bedroom door and he knocks and he's like, hey, Leslie, there's about six girls outside. Are they here to gang up on you? <laughs> and I said, no, they're not. He's like, they're, they're, well, they asked for you. What do you want me to do? And I said, well, let them in. Of course. And he, yeah, let them in. And, I'm, you know, my dad is from Detroit. So, of course, he's like, what are six girls doing outside? Yeah. And, you know, he's like, do I need to get down? I'm like, no, dad, you don't. <laughs> he's all sus. He's like, what is happening here? What a good dad, like, though. What has Leslie gotten herself yeah, into? Yeah, well, my dad is from real hard <laughs> in Detroit. So, you know, six people showing up at your house asking for your daughter. He does the first, his first inclination is not, they want their makeup done. Yeah. You know, so he's like, um, I said, well, I'm, I'm going to do their makeup. I'm getting my stuff ready. And he says, well, who's going to do it? And I said, me. <laughs> and he's like, where? <laughs> I said, in the, in the kitchen while you watch the football game. Oh my God. He's like, does not compute. And he's like, okay, got it. All right. Well, that's cool. So, you know, fast forward, um, I, it's probably 2001, I get my first, like, real job. I had small beauty gigs throughout, like, in the mall and things like that. And my first real beauty job is at, like, a beauty cart selling those sparkly um, pigments. Yep, girl, I know, oh my gosh. I know this. Do you, I know do you remember those? Yes. I think, they were, I think they were called True Colors. Yes, and I had them, oh and I thought God. they were, like, Me the too. sickest shit of all time because – they stacked one on yes, the ones the that stacked on top of each other. Yes. <laughs> yes. Holy they stack stackable pigments that you mix with your nail polish or you mix with your <laughs> a, a water for an eyeshadow. I have not yes. thought about those since then. Oh my god, I want that those is, back. That is how long I've been in the beauty business. <laughs> And you got them at the mall. Like they were at those little kiosks. You didn't yes. go into a store. You would just walk by and someone would tell you, hey, like, let me try this pigment on you. And then you were sold and you wanted it. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. And I had them in like blue and pink, like really bright colors. True color stackable pigments is what they were. Wow. 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 I'm obsessed with that. That was so my hardcore. first makeup job. That's amazing. That is amazing. So of course, every day I wore glitter. <laughs> Naturally. <laughs> of course you did. Of course you couldn't have not. <laughs> yeah. And you know, the cool thing about those was that was the first time I'd ever actually worked with any kind of pigment. Um, at this time, a lot of makeup, even like Maybelline or Revlon didn't have high pigment. Mm -mm. So this is the first time I'm actually seeing raw pigments being sold that are not pressed. They're loose. And what you could do with them. You could mix them into everything. You could make them body paint or nail polish or eyeshadow. And I think at this point, I'm like, wow, this is game changing. Yeah, that was the first time I'd actually really experienced color. So a little by little, I worked my way through the beauty industry and I landed a job as a makeup artist, freelance makeup artist for Estee Lauder. And then I worked throughout the Estee Lauder family. So Mac, I think of uh, Christian Dior, no, they weren't owned by them at the time, but Christian Dior was one of them. Laura Mercier was my first job. And then once I started working through the ELC family, um, I became a trainer for Estee Lauder. And that allowed me to float store to store, counter to counter. And at this time, early 2000s, retail is a huge deal. This is where you're going to buy your products. This is where there's no online shopping really at all. So um, I'm floating from counter to counter a couple days a week, four or five days a week, uh, store to store and doing demonstrations 
musicians, training other artists, and um, prepping for events, weekend events, and in real life events were huge because that was the way we introduced new products or did product um, launches. So we would pre-book people to come in on the weekends, have their makeup done. I know a lot of this doesn't exist anymore, but this was actually foundational. It was really important for the beauty industry to have these kinds of events and have real in, in real life IRL, we call it real life um, events around makeup and beauty. Yeah. Exactly. Because how else like, would they learn, you know? Like that was, like you said, there wasn't like YouTube at that point teaching people anything. So there wasn't any education whatsoever. Exactly. You like relied on the mall. Yeah, exactly. Those were so fun. <laughs> the mall was our, man, mall madness. The, 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 the mall was YouTube. The children don't understand. They just will never understand the, the no, importance of no. the mall. They, it, it was not accessible. It wasn't a push of a button. You actually had to really go make effort. And um, in high school, I even hung out at the counters after school just to, you know, have fun. It was kind of like. My mom knew she could either pick me up at Barnes and Nobles after school or she could pick me up at the mall and I'd hang up at the makeup counter. I love that. So Leslie, did you go to makeup school? No, I did not. No. That's incredible. Okay. So you built your career in makeup artistry, which is phenomenal just from, you know, working out of your home as a teenager, dad, a little suspect as to what's going on, (laughs) then going to the mall, selling the pigments. I love this trajectory. But then you decided to get into skincare and, you know, doing research for this episode. I loved that you talked about, you know, doing makeup on people and people would ask, you know, okay, what do I do for my skin? And you didn't feel like you had the answers as a makeup artist. And you also felt that there was bad information kind of being spread about skincare in general um, as social media started to to rise. So can you talk about making that transition from being like solely makeup focused into skincare? Yeah. So around um, 2008, Eight, I want to say I quit makeup. Uh, I, I quit working in the retail aspect of makeup. So okay. uh, I went freelance completely. And that was really to focus on being on set, doing music videos, working behind the scenes. And those days were really long. And when I made that transition, it was right when the recession hit. Mm-hmm. So I realized, holy shit. Can I say that? Yeah, girl. Okay. Holy shit. <laughs> I, oh my God. I'm not going to have a job. I just quit this job that I, you know, had a regular check with and that I could rely on and that was consistent. And um, I started focusing on weddings. I thought, what can I do? I'm going to focus my makeup skills on weddings because at least during a recession, people are still getting married. Yep. Smart. So it was the smartest thing I could do. Well, uh, you know, 2008, 2009, I realized I really only work on the weekends. What am I going to do Monday through Friday? Hmm. Oh, you know what? When I have time, eventually I put this in the back of my mind. I'm, like, I'm going to go back to the esthetician school because I really have never been able to answer out of all these years. I've never been able to educate my customers. So I'll do a little production. Um, I'll do my weddings on the weekends and then I'll go back to esthetician school. And so I completed my licensing in 2010. So now 10 years ago, decade ago. And um, that was basically, it was an additional thing. It was just an additional thing. It was more for me just to be educated as a makeup artist. And then when I would be on set or when I would do weddings, I could actually have my clients not only be a wedding client, but come back maybe to get their brows done, come back maybe to talk about skincare. I could offer them something else 
besides, you know, a wedding is a one-time occurrence. So you're essentially building a career on a one-time job. You know, there's only going to be a few people who get married over and over and, and God bless those people <laughs> if you can deal with it. But, you know, <laughs> how many weddings can you really afford to have? I mean, seriously. So I thought, well, okay, well, the weekends, I only do weddings, maybe a Friday, but mostly Saturdays and Sundays. So I had the, the perfect schedule to get the licensing Monday through Friday. And um, if there were any things that were, it, it all kind of worked out with timing, especially, you know, during um, coming out of the recession. The weddings is when I realized I really need to um, up the ante on the education because these brides are not only looking for an, an incredible makeup application, but a lot of them want to prepare their skin for their wedding. Yeah, no. And then what do you do? You have your wed- you prepare your skin for your wedding, you get your makeup done the day of, and then you just fall off track, right? So no, I'm like, no, I, this, is, this is amazing. Well, I go to esthetician school and everything changes. I, I absolutely fall in love with the skincare. I fall in love with the idea of education. I, I really fell in love with um, the concept of I can retain this information and continue with this education. I can change people's lives. It's not just a one-time application. It's not just a superficial rinse off kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I can literally change people's lives. I can transform how people feel and on top of that, educate them with real information. So not only when I was in esthetician school, like I said, I had a lot of time during the week that I started interning kind of with um, some uh, machinery companies that made microdermabrasion machines. Couldn't afford a machine. So I went to the machine company and said, I've been going to these trade shows because my, my, my teacher, my instructor told me, go to trade shows, meet people. And that was how I started meeting people. So I met a family that manufactured um, American-made microdermabrasion machines. And they said, well, if you want one of these machines, they're $7,000. And I said, well, that's the price of a Honda Civic, so no. Um, (laughs) I won't be doing that. But I really want one when I'm out of school. I really want one of these machines. Can I work for you? Can I do the trade show circuit for you? I can give you a little bit of money, and I'll work off the rest. I've got all this time. And I make money on the weekends. So there's such a hustler. Honestly, this is incredible. Full blown hustler. Like I have never let anything get in my way. So I'm like, I want this machine. I want to do microdermabrasion. I love that, you know, the education that came with it and understanding that it wasn't the physical exfoliation that was doing the work. It wasn't um, the, the, it wasn't the crystals that were doing the work. It was actually the machinery that was doing the work and the compression and the suction that was doing the work that was oxygenating the skin, right? So a lot of times people like to promote microdermabrasion as a scrub. Well, if it's it's a scrub, you don't need to pay $100 for it. It's not that. It's machinery. It's actually the heart of the machine comes from the compressor and the suction, the gentle suction. And this machine was so unique because it used such fine crystals, almost... I, I would say on par with flour. So, so, so far. Wow, awesome. So that taught me that it wasn't physical exfoliation that was really the problem. It was unrefined uh, particles. It was an aggressive touch. And it was pressure that really made physical exfoliation mm-hmm. amongst really bad formula, formulas. But that, that was what demonized physical exfoliation. Oh my gosh, Leslie, we could literally just have this whole episode be about physical exfoliation and the the things that people think about it now, because you're so right. It has been demonized. People tell me that they're now scared to use any type of scrub or physical exfoliant out of fear Mm -hmm. um, because they have been taught, especially through social media, that chemical exfoliation is the only way to go. And I'm 
a huge fan of physical exfoliation, but you're so right. It do, the formula matters and also like the pressure and things like right. that. So, well, that's also why like Clarisonic essentially went out of business too, is because, I mean, among other, other reasons, but because they couldn't separate themselves from being associated with like being too harsh on their skin, like the pressure. There's user error. There's also user error with physical exfoliants. Anyways, sorry to completely digress. And that goes back to just the lack and the lack of education and the lack of real knowledge yep. behind skincare. And that is the reason why I, I felt that it was so necessary that I, I dropped the makeup brushes. There was enough makeup artists out there in the world and really focused the rest of my career from 2010 after opening up my first facial studio to devoting my time to formulation, devoting my time to education, and devoting the rest of my career to Clur. Um, so Leslie, can you talk about, you know, when you went to esthetician school, I think this is particularly relevant right now because with COVID and the pandemic and people not being able to get back to their businesses, I think some people that have suffered the most have been estheticians and people that work in a salon or spa environment. Um, and I've written a few stories about how you know, estheticians especially learn so much about sanitation and, and the right way to disinfect and things like that. Um, can you, you know, you don't have to go in depth or anything because I know there's probably so much you could say about it, but can you talk about what you learn about in esthetician school? Well, put it this way. You're not going to get your license. The day you go take your state board test, you are not going to get your license unless you can prove that you have effectively mastered sanitation and disinfection, period. You're not going to get your license. State board actually is there regulating, walking, kind of, you know, hovering over you as you do this. You walk through these sanitation protocols and they're actually more strict about that than a makeup application. They don't care how great of a makeup application you do. They actually don't give a damn of how great of a facial you do during the, the service. The main thing is, is the sanitation and disinfection protocols and understanding what ammonium quads are and how to change out your barbicide and how to disinfect using a UV light and heat. And the, the salon environment can be one of the most sterile, clean, clean environments you can possibly exactly. think of. So it's, it is really odd to me that the state of California and a lot of other states have decided that, you know, salons, beauty salons and, and aesthetic salons should be closed this entire time, but a barber shop yeah. can be open. So it is very odd. I don't know what it is, but the state of California is the one regulating this. So they know themselves how in depth this is, right? They, they set the protocols. So it's 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 odd that the state is closing these places but they set the standard for regulation yeah it really makes no sense to me um okay so let's fast forward to when you launched clur do you want to tell us how that came to be i feel like we we don't want to skip that story okay so i launched clur as an aesthetic studio so that was in 2010 summer of 2010 i don't remember what month but 20 of summer of 2010 i launched um as a very small little rented facial room you could walk into the room and be on the bed the moment you walked in it was not big it was like a closet no bigger than the closet i'm sitting in right now it was very small it was what i could afford at the time and that's all you need 
Yeah, that's all I needed. Literally come in, put your coat up and that's all I have room for is for you to hang your bag and your coat because there was literally no room for a table and you could, you'd be on the facial bed right then and there. And it had a small sink and um, that was actually in the back. I'm not sure be, because you guys are in LA so I can reference this, but uh, if you know where uh, the beauty collection is. Yep, I know what you're talking about. In, in Sherman Oaks. Okay. Okay. So it was in the back of the beauty collection in Sherman Oaks on Riverside Drive. It was literally in the far back. There were two suites. It was a hair suite you could rent or you can rent the facial studio. And at the time when I rented it, it was, um, the store was really growing and it was popularity. A lot of celebrities were coming in there. So it was a kind of a great way to, um, for the salespeople on the floor to bring clients over to me and they would be there to buy, I don't know, Nature BCA or Clark's Botanicals. And these are the big, and Glam Glow had just come out at that point. So this is like a big deal. So when products would launch, they would, you know, have these celebrities or whoever that would come in the store that they want to give a exceptional treatment to and say, oh, you know, if you love your Glam Glow, we're going to introduce you to Leslie. She's our esthetician here in the back and she can actually talk you through this product and teach you how to use it. And it was just an extra step um, and in the sales, helping with sales as well. So I was able to A, build my clientele, C, explore all these products. I didn't have a, a range myself. I just had the studio and then um, get all this education from all the educators behind every brand that were coming in to work with the, the store. So I had a, an, an, an access to a lot of information and a lot of brands and a lot of ingredients. And after a while, I realized I still don't have really one right? Like what exactly I need as an esthetician. I don't have everything I need. I had a, a strong back bar. It was mostly Dermalogica, but when it came time to actually give my clients a product, it was either you can get your eye cream from Nature Brucier. You can get a day cream from Yonka. You can get um, a moisturizer from, you know, Murad or whatever these other brands were in this salon, this studio. They, they, the store has, I don't know, probably close to 500 brands. And it was all over the place. So I, I kind of realized I'm, I'm, it's great that it's all in one place, but I am recommending all these things. Like I found the best of the best in, in one place, but there's not one brand that has everything I want. So little by little, I started um, kind of working with, um, I, at the time I was having a hard time finding a really good oil cleanser that didn't uh, rinse clean. I didn't actually want it to rinse clean. So there are particular ingredients in oil cleansers that allow them to rinse off the skin as a very mild surfactant. And I didn't want it to have any surfactant in it whatsoever. I didn't want it to rinse clean. I just wanted to cloth off. So I started working on a formula on an oil cleanser little by little. And um, it wasn't the best because I was not a proper formulator. I was not a chemist and um, I'm not into kitchen made skincare. So I basically with all my connections at the trade shows and through the machinery company and a lot of, a lot of manufacturers just know each other. I started asking around and asking if anyone knew a formulator or knew a chemist that I could work with to create this this really simple formula, but I knew I couldn't do it myself. I started with that formula, did very well. Over a span of eight years, I really moved from being an esthetician into full-time formulations. I launched my first iteration of Clur in 2013, at the end of 2013, like December 2013. So it really kind of came to market in 2014. It wasn't necessarily, I didn't have PR. I didn't have a push on it. Um, there was, I, I didn't even have the money for anything like that, but I put up a website. I started selling a few of the products I created with this lab and um, a month later, Urban Outfitters call. Oh, wow. Yeah. 
February 2014, they called and um, I went through a process of, you know, uh, negotiating and talking with them. And then they launched the product in March of 2014. And I, I had no idea. That's yeah. incredible. Yeah. So I was with them very low key uh, for two and a half years. I sold through Urban Outfitters. Leslie, can maybe this is my ignorance. What does clur mean? Clur comes from a word. Uh, it's not really a real word, but it's clura, K-L-U-R-A. And it's a Swedish expression for well-considered or pondered, given second thought. I love that. I love the meaning of that. That's beautiful. Okay, so Clur prides itself on being clean and sustainable. All of Clur's products are botanically based and, you know, the packaging is made with recyclable parts and your cardboard that you ship in is made with, you know, post-consumer waste. Why was this so important for you? Uh, well, sustainability is everyone's duty. It's kind of the price you pay for being on earth, right? So you have to be considerate. You have to think about these things. And if we all do a little bit, we can get ahead. No one's going to be perfectly sustainable. Clor is not going to be perfectly sustainable. But um, I, I felt like because the, the name Clora was well considered and thoughtful, that everything could be thoughtful and that we could give an extra um, consideration to all the steps in building a brand. And it was important because it, it was based on my values. They were based on things that I had already believed in. So I couldn't imagine putting something out in the world that wasn't thoughtful in the first place. Well, I mean, I, I love that you say that's kind of like the price we pay for, to, to be on this earth. I think that if more people thought about it in that way, um, we wouldn't be in some of the trouble that we're currently in right now. So on that note, we also talk about clean beauty a lot on this podcast. We talk about how it's an unregulated term. When you see clean or natural um, you know, on a product package, there's not one blanket statement or um, one blanket category that that product falls into. And I think that's where a lot of our listeners and um, just beauty consumers in general get very confused and they don't necessarily um, know like what they're looking for, what they're not looking for, and why sometimes those terms give, uh, you know, clean or natural beauty brands a bad rap. So what are your thoughts on the clean beauty movement and in terms of what we can improve? And then what um, would you say the, the product in your line was most difficult to make uh, based on that? So I think the clean beauty movement is actually really important. I think that <clears throat> it can be confusing for the consumer and it can actually be really confusing for the manufacturer or the, the, the brand as well to find out, to figure out and, and form their idea of what clean is because every brand's going to have their very own sort of philosophy of what is, what's clean and what's not, right? For me, I, I think it's an important movement because I think it gets consumers thinking beyond just making a great product, it actually makes people think about what they're putting on their bodies and makes people think about who, they're, who they are supporting, but it is unregulated. And there is a lot of misinformation around it. I don't use it a lot. I don't use the term a lot as I try to actually stay away from it because I feel like it is unregulated. And again, I don't say that we're a natural brand either. So the marketing is hard. It's hard to um, come up with an identity as a brand when you want to be considered thoughtful and clean and considered and you want to be in that that space but at the same time another company might consider themselves clean and they're using all all, all all sorts of ingredients that I wouldn't agree with right but I think it 
more than anything, it gets the conversation going. And that to me is the trigger. That That is the most important is that the conversation is happening and that people are thinking about what they're doing with their money, what they're putting on their bodies and um, giving thought to brands that they want to support, whether that means a follow or tell a friend or whatever. And again, goes back to doing your due diligence and doing what you have to do for the earth to be here. If you have to think about the products that you consume, because we consume a lot of beauty products, you know, beauty consumers, billions and billions of dollars every year. If we all gave a little thought, more thought, then we probably wouldn't be in the situation we're in. So um, I think it's an important movement. And for me, the hardest product to formulate was Stella Restoration because it uses some synthetics and some synthetic ingredients. Well, not some, most people think synthetic means toxic. And some, and many people believe that non-toxic means natural. When there are natural ingredients used at certain levels that can be highly toxic for our skin, and there are synthetic ingredients used at very high levels that will never have a toxic effect on our skin. So it comes down to clarity and real information and proper guidance. Kirby and I are just like nodding our heads so fast because we're like, yep, yep, yep. Yes. We look like bobbleheads. Yeah. We're just like, yep, 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 yep. So how how long did that one take you to develop? Um, I exited out of Urban Outfitters, going back to Urban Outfitters. I stopped retail in December of, I'm sorry, in December of 2017, January 28th, January 2017, I think, January 2017. I no longer did retail. I took a lot of the um, money and I reinvested it into all new formulations. I started with that formula probably spring of 2017 and did not launch it until January of 2019. So two and a half years almost. Um, And that is a retinol, but it is a really sophisticated retinol in the sense that it's a thin retinol and um, it is a really easily absorbed treatment, but it combines a lot of ingredients that are not typically seen together. And they usually are advised not to combine, but the way that we've done it was so sophisticated and and such an elegant formula that it just, it took that long, but it is such an amazing formula because it does combine vitamin A, which is a synthetic. It combines niacinamide, which is vitamin B3. It can, it combines a bioavailable form of vitamin C, which is sodium ascorbyl phosphate. And that's my favorite form of vitamin C. I heard you, I saw you posted yesterday about vitamin C, Kirby. So I love the conversation around vitamin C. And it also combines a natural, excuse me, a bunch of natural botanicals, which are fantastic. But I needed something sophisticated enough to uh, my clients who were dealing with hormonal acne coming off birth control. And my clients, those same clients were wanting to explore anti-aging formulas. That needed to be one product. And that was Stella Restoration. Wow. I feel like this is like Kirby's jam, but also mine when I'm allowed to use retinol again. This is totally my jam. <laughs> 100%. I'm a vitamin C stand, but I've also, especially in, I hate saying that we're in quarantine because like I have not been infected, so I'm not quarantined. So socially distanced, I guess you could say. Um, but I've been upping my retinol game. And I'm obsessed with the ingredients in general. So, well, retinol is such a great ingredient, and I lo- I know that people love it for the the um, anti aging benefits. But it is such an effective skin healing vitamin, and that's one of the parts that we that's one of the actual first visible effects that we see is not just that it's sloughing mm. off or the dead skin is coming off. Vitamin A is a necessary uh, vitamin for wound healing, and it is the precursor, the trigger 
to a hyaluronic acid. So it actually makes our skin make more natural bioavailable hyaluronic acid. And that's how we, in fact, really deal with dehydration. It is not um, just putting on hyaluronic acid. It's actually intelligently making products that trigger our skin to respond and do something like make more hyaluronic acid. Okay, so Leslie, um, we want to talk about what's been happening over the past, I guess you could say, couple months now, a month and a half. Even before the pull up or shut up campaign, you've always talked about how, you know, people of color are often an afterthought in the beauty industry. Not only are brands not thinking about uh, people of color when they're creating products, they're not hiring them, you know, to be uh, in executive positions or to represent their brands or even paying them a fair wage. We're, you know, hopeful that at least now people are more aware of the problem. But are, are you hopeful that this is kind of more than just a trend and that it's something that is going to cause permanent change in the industry? Well, um, I've been in the beauty industry a long time. Long, long time. I was with Estee Lauder when they brought on their first black spokesperson. And that day at work changed my life. The day that we got to unwind Lila Kadibi, I, I believe. I'm not, hopefully, I'm not saying her name wrong, um, as the first black face of Estee Lauder. Oh, Leah? Leah Kadibi, is it? It's Leah Cabete. Cabete. She followed me on Instagram and my life changed. Amazing. <gasps> so, yes, she followed me on Instagram. I mean, Yay! that moment in my that moment in my life and my beauty career changed my perspective forever because it was, I think it was Carolyn Murphy who was the face of Estee Lauder at the time. When she came down and she was replaced by this beautiful brown woman, we weren't talking like a white passing model. This was a brown, black, African model who sat in this incredible backlit box and I got to look at it every single day. Changed my life. I've always known the importance of inclusivity. I've, I, I've, I, I value representation and inclusivity over anything, over clean beauty, over green beauty, over ingredients. Mm -hmm. I value people over all those things. You can't really have a conversation about sustainability or inclusivity without representation. And that's what the natural world has done. We've, we have, not me personally, but a lot of companies have built their brands on whiteness and selling whiteness. And that, because, I mean, because it sells. So of course, but for me, this conversation is important to be had. I hope it's not a trend. And even if it is a trend, I'm still going to be talking about it because I've been talking about it for a long time. So I can't speak for what others are going to do, but I can certainly say that my community is being consciously built. I'm actually very aware of making sure that people feel like they are seen in my community, that they're heard from, and that it's a place to have conversations around identity, using beauty products as the platform, as the commonality, right? So we all love beauty, but we can actually have deeper conversations around this. And again, this is something I've been trying to drum up for a while and I was met with a lot of closed doors I will say last year when I launched relaunched Claire um, I, I couldn't get any traction I couldn't get this off the ground I could not get this conversation going get a reply back or to get an email back would have taken a miracle and now I can't clear my inbox that to me tells me that either it's a trend and it's it's good for business to do this or you really want to have lasting impact and you want to continue this conversation I don't know what's going to happen but I know the history of these things fade. So I don't look at it as, as a trend because trends fade. 
I hope that this is um, something that people want to continue to have conversations around, but I can only be responsible for what I put out and what I'm doing and the conversations that I want to have. But I will say I, I, I was listening to something the other day and they, someone was talking. They said that, um, you know, a lot of white own brands or white founders were so flabbergasted because when they posted about their support for Black Lives Matter, their audience basically sales slowed down. Their audience was really upset that they they backed this and that they were really shocked that this founder or this brand would have the I don't know uh, audacity to support such a cause and that every lives and all lives matter. Well, if you build your community on people who only look like you and you build your community only on products that are for people like yourself, you can't be shocked that you have experienced a white backlash because you have intentionally sold to this community and given them hope. So suddenly coming out and saying Black people mattered, of course you're going to experience some kind of backlash. You need to take responsibility for the community that you've built. Mm -hmm. You've never spoken about other people, people of color or black people. Why now? So a lot of times I don't know exactly, don't know what to think. I can't necessarily say, speak for everybody, but I do know what Claire is doing. And I do know that my intention has always been to be a voice of representation for people of color and to be a platform that showed um, black people in a beautiful, joyous light. When it comes to consumers, Leslie, what would your advice be for people listening right now to ensure that the momentum keeps going with this, that it doesn't become a trend that fades? It, it's something that we're consistently holding people accountable for and talking about. I think consumers have to get uncomfortable um, because the moment we get complacent, things will go back. This conversation is going to go deeper. It's going to go just beyond Black Lives Matter. It's going to go beyond just representation. It's going to go into um, the commodification of whiteness, right? So these conversations are fickle. They aren't easy to have. And we have to get, we have time at home now in this situation. This is the best time for us to be uncomfortable is right in your house in your pajamas. Get uncomfortable. Also press, continue to press your brands that you love to support on inclusivity and why they have dropped the ball. I personally, I haven't bought a lot of beauty products in the last couple of years because I, I do a lot of testing for Clur. but the brands that I support and the brands that I um, have purchased have spoken up, which is fantastic. But when I go to buy those products again, and I, as a consumer, I do buy things here and there, I'm going to still hold them accountable. I don't think that they drop the ball doesn't mean I need to drop the ball. Mm -hmm. And consumers have, consumers have the control. There are no brands without consumers. If you don't buy it, they can't sell it. So I think consumers need to know that you have a lot more control than you think. All right. We have reached the end of our interview, Leslie. We have we have one more question so and a lightning round, which is going to be really quick. So to end the conversation, for those listening that are new to Clore, what would what's the one product they have to try? And, and you have to pick one. I know they're all your little babies, but you have to pick one to suggest. Oh, Gentle Matter. Easy. Okay, great. Yeah, I have it right here. For those that don't know what Gentle Matter is, what is it? It is a moisturizing, hydrating cleanser. So it obviously is going to cleanse and hydrate the skin, but it's going to deposit some hydrating particles. Never leave the skin tight or dry. We don't ever dehydrate skin in Clur. We never leave the skin stripped on, under no circumstances whatsoever. So it's a daily cleanser. You can use it um, 
morning, noon, or night, which is fantastic. And it's actually developed for all skin types. I love this product so much. And like, there are so many products, specifically cleansers that I feel like claim to be gentle and are really not like your skin is just feels really stripped after. And this truly your skin feels like how you want it to feel just nice and bouncy. I love it. Oh, thank you. Thank you. All right, let's get into this lightning round. Leslie, what we're gonna do is ask you um, a series of five questions. You can answer in one word or you can answer in one sentence. The goal is just to be concise and say the first thing that comes to mind. Okay. Okay, so let's go. Most underrated ingredient. Oh, vitamin E? Ooh, why? Um, it's just so healing and it supports the regeneration of vitamin C. Yes, yes. I, I want to snap for that. Love that. I love any ingredient that supports another one is my jam. Bring it back to vitamin C. <laughs> what is the most overhyped ingredient? Activated charcoal. Ooh. Ooh. Why? Uh, because it doesn't really do anything but absorb oil. Yes. It has no other function besides that. <gasps> yeah. Honestly, I'm going to be real. Everyone needs to know this. If I see charcoal in a, in a product, I'm more than likely not going to try it. Just PSA. Yeah, I, I hate it. It's a, it's one, <laughs> any ingredient that only has one property sucks. You're right. <laughs> yes. Thank you. If, it, if it's just a one trick pony, I'm not into it. Yeah, we don't, we don't have time for that. Okay. Favorite makeup brand. Oh, Bobby Brown. OG. Bobby. BB. Yeah. I'll, always came through with the, the shade range. Exactly. I, she, she really was a, a pioneer in that aspect. She really knew what she was doing. Okay. Who is a woman that inspires you in the industry? Oh my God, Anastasia. <gasps> oh, that's a good one. Why? I, I remember the day I was in, like, I think my first year of college. I ran home, got off the bus, ran home, and watched her on Oprah. She was on an episode called Things, Pe People Making a Living Doing Things They Loved. And she was the first person I'd ever known to like make it big doing eyebrows. I love that you brought in Oprah. It was unbelievable. Like that this. episode changed my life. Yeah, Anastasia. Oh, I, I got to pull that up on YouTube. Yeah. Yeah, it's an, uh, maybe 2003. Okay, so our last question. Um, we love to pay it forward here at Los Angeles. Do you have a uh, favorite brand that you think that people should know about? Or do, would you like to shout out a brand? Um, I wouldn't say a makeup brand or skincare brand because we can all find those. But I do have an organization and a just a, an amazing, awesome LA-based place that people should know about. And it's called the Underground Museum. And it just launched an online bookstore. And I think we should go out and support other um, facets that make the world beautiful as well. And it's not makeup or beauty, but I do think that uh, this place does hold a lot of beautiful space in the Los Angeles community and that we should go and support it. Amazing. Where is it? It's in Mid-City. It's huh. kind of, a, have you ever heard of it? No. Oh, okay. So it's called the Underground Museum. It's an incredible museum. It was um, curated and put together by Noah Davis, who passed away and didn't really get to see it come to fruition. But they get a lot of help from the um, MOCA, from Museum of Contemporary Art. So it is literally a hidden gem of a museum in the middle of mid-city Los Angeles. You do not even know it's there. And it's actually just a really important staple in the community. And I think that sometimes beauty isn't necessarily in a product, but it can be in what we're putting out in the in are in, in the world, right? So yeah, I think the Underground Museum. Is that okay? Amazing. Yeah, that's perfect. I love that suggestion. That's perfect, especially since we are LA. We love to support local LA businesses. I love that. So um, 
Leslie, thank you so much. You're welcome. This has been so, so fun. We're so glad we finally got you. Where can our listeners find you? So I'm always on Instagram at clear.co. And um, I, I try to respond back to every message. That's my best that's the best outlet. And then if they want to email me, it's just info at clear.co. Everyone, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode and interview. Um, again, if you have any questions for Leslie, hit her up on IG. She's all up in her DMs, ready to answer your questions. Please support Clur if you can. As always, you can find us on social media. We are at Los Angeles Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Find our Facebook group by searching Los Angeles, answering the questions and joining. And check out our website, www.glossangelespod.com. We have all of our episodes readily available on the website, so you can listen there. Check out our product selects. Any product that we mention within our episodes will be featured on the episode page. Have a great week. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.